$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Welcome back to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of StillCurtain.com. Joining me, joining me today is my co-host, Shane Cubis, a contributor for Still Curtain. Shane, how's it going today? Pretty good. Obviously, you're going to talk a lot about cuts and everything and talk about who, at least right now, we'll see how long it lasts for, but made the Steelers for 2022. Yeah, one of the most exciting parts of uh, the NFL season, I feel like, is that, that precursor right there, when we cut down uh, from 80 players down to 53, all in like a 24-hour period, there's a lot going on, glued to Twitter the whole time. So definitely a lot to talk about today in terms of cuts. Shane and I will share our thoughts. We'll share uh, the players that we got right, the players that we missed, uh, and then what we would have done maybe a little bit differently than what the Steelers did. Uh, but first, we want to talk about the Steelers' preseason finale against the Lions. Uh is an exciting preseason this year, wouldn't you say, Shane? I mean, as, as far as preseasons go, a lot of things to look forward to, a lot of young guys to watch. Yeah, I mean, it was a really fun preseason. You know, obviously going 3-0 and is always nice, too, not losing in the preseason, although it doesn't matter. We know that there's really no correlation, but winning a game is always better than losing in general. I'm sure a lot of coaches feel that same way, but it's definitely more important about you know getting guys playing time, seeing what you have and the rookies especially, and just getting a chance to see guys fight for their job, literally, like you get to see it in real time. And it's definitely an interesting dynamic with the NFL. Yeah. The, okay. Last week, we saw just like an abysmal performance by the offensive line in general. So we were yeah. hoping to see – much, much better uh, play this this past week against the Lions. It was better, but it was not as encouraging probably as what we would want it to be. Like, I, I still feel like Dan Moore struggled a little bit. Um, I thought that Mason Cole, even though he was all right in the first couple of games, he, he kind of had a letdown game here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kendra Green again. So, I mean, we have a right to be worried about this offensive line, don't we? For sure. And I think that the thing that's a concern for me more so, and luckily it got a little bit better this past week, was the signings like Mason Cole did have a pretty strong start to the preseason. This game was a little bit of a step back, like you mentioned. And James Daniels did improve, which is good to see. He's a guy that obviously you hope can be kind of the anchor as a young piece that you brought in. Um, so that was nice to see. But yeah, more with the penalties. And that was really the, the story of the offensive line. This game was more penalties and less just purely bad play, especially as the game went on they started to kind of pick it up, but early it was definitely kind of rough to watch. Yeah. The penalties were definitely drive killers. Not as many like ugly, ugly snaps overall right. that we saw against Jacksonville. Like that game was just brutal to watch, <laughs> but I was still, I, w- I was banging the table for the offensive line to stick in there for like three yeah. quarters or the whole game. Like I want to see that unit start to mesh and start playing much better football. So I think they could use a lot more reps. 
uh, we're going to have a task on our hands in week yeah. one on the road in, against Cincinnati. And uh, I think that Dan Moore is going to have his hands full against Trey Hendrickson. We'll talk about that more, I'm sure, next week. But, yeah, it's it's uh, not as encouraging uh, of a summer for the offensive line as what we have liked it to be. Uh, let's talk about Trubisky for a minute. Uh, he finished the game pretty strong. He had that two-minute drive, went down, scored the touchdown. Prior to that, it was just like one field goal after the next. Uh, couldn't really capitalize on opportunities. I don't really know if it was Trubisky's fault, but uh, what was your feel for his performance in, in this preseason finale? I think overall, I think that he had a really nice day. I, you do have to kind of look at the offensive line and the penalties, kind of stalling drives as a big reason why it took until that two-minute drill to end the half to get a touchdown. But in general, he didn't do anything that makes me go, wow, you know, I don't know if he can go out there week one. And that's kind of what you were looking to see if he would show some of that. That kind of has led to him needing a second chance here with the Bills first last year, now Pittsburgh. We didn't really see that. I think in general, he played within himself. He didn't really do anything that was you know risky or something that was just plainly bad to do in general. And you look at his numbers, look really good. Obviously, his preseason, some of that was against, you know, not the starters for the Lions. But in general, his decision-making, I think, has been really good this preseason. And that was the most worrying thing about him going into the year. Yeah, I think what I'm impressed by, too, is he's not just dinking and dunking the ball down the field. And that's kind of more of, like, what I expected to see from Trubisky. But he's making plays. I mean, 8.4 yards in attempt this game. Uh, He had nine yards in attempt, I think, in in the first week against the Seahawks. And so – Definitely some uh, encouraging signs there from yes. him. Certainly did enough, I feel like, to go. I know people are – they're scratching for a reason to get uh, Kenny Pickett out there for right. week one. And I understand that. Like, I, I want I want Pickett to be able to play as soon as possible. I mean, he's the guy they drafted, 20th overall. He's the guy that's going to be the future of the team. But I don't think that Trubisky certainly did anything to hurt his stock this summer. He, he finished with a strong preseason – and uh, so, so let's just kind of go over like who should be that guy. Did, did Trubisky do enough in the preseason to be that week one starter? I think that's where the conversation gets a little bit interesting for me and for a lot of fans, right? Because I do think Trubisky, both in camp from what I've heard and seen and from what he's shown in the preseason, that he has earned the opportunity to be this team's starter. He's worked with the ones the entire time. He worked with the ones the entire last preseason game, despite there being conversation from Tomlin about maybe not having him play the whole time, getting Pickett in there as well. The fact that he played the whole first half and looked good doing so, I think kind of cements him as a starter, even if Tomlin hasn't said so yet. But I do think Pickett at the same time has shown all the things that I would have wanted to see a rookie quarterback do well for me to trust him to go out there. So they have a problem on their hands where they really, it's a good problem to have in my opinion, because I don't think they're going to flip-flop guys early. I think they are going to pick a guy and let him see if he can be the guy before they make any changes. Because of that and because of our schedule to start the year, I do think it's going to be Trubisky. I wouldn't be afraid to throw a picket out there, though, from what he's shown. Yeah, and I think that that's going to be the case as well. And it kind of comes back to like what we were talking about um, in previous weeks, which is I just feel like it's so hard to go back the other way. Like if you're if you're yes. to name Kenny Pickett the starter from week one, it, it it's kind of just like a, a tearing down his confidence a little bit. If you're to say, all right, you, you struggled the first couple of games, we're going to pull you, put the veteran back in. And then when you show that you're actually ready, we'll put you back in, in the lineup. And so yeah. I just don't think that's the way to approach it at all. I think you're better to, to err on the side of caution. Uh, let the veteran play it out. Let him take his lumps with a, a, an offensive line that's trying to gel and get better. Right. And so 
like we said, we, we don't want to wish harm on Trubisky, no, but if no. anybody's going to be out there, we, we trust him. He's the veteran. If he, he can probably live through that uh, in the poor offensive line play, if that is to be the case. Uh, but I really don't want to throw Pickett out there to the Wolves to begin with. I think they both had uh, comparable preseasons is how I yeah. put it. I think, I think they were both comparably good. Pickett's maybe more impressive than Trubisky's because he's doing it as a rookie. These are right. his th- first three exhibition games of his career. But I think Pickett uh, did enough to keep that job to start start the season off as a starter, at least. And we'll kind of just see how it goes from there. And we're hoping it doesn't take him too long. But again, if Trubisky is the Steelers starter by midseason, it probably means that he's doing something right. And the Steelers right. are winning football exactly. games. Right, for sure. So let's talk about uh, the Lions game just a little bit more here. Who else stood out to you from that game in a positive or negative light? I think from that game, I did like what I saw from James Daniels finally, and that was something I've been waiting for to see from him. And the whole offensive line has talked about the transition to the new offensive line coach, and especially for the new guys coming in, it's it was going to be a transition no matter what. You getting dealing with hand placement, how he wants them to handle certain pass sets, all that's starting to come around a little bit for some of the guys. Obviously, Daniels, you hope would be able to do that because he is a veteran. More obviously, we'll see how he works through his struggles throughout the season most likely but Daniels was a guy that I was really glad to see kind of put up a good performance and I'm hoping he can be that inside anchor for the team this year yeah James Daniels I thought really took a big step forward in that third yeah. game like he, he was doing uh, enough to make us just a little bit nervous yeah, in those exactly. preseason games with uh, and I don't I didn't think the overall sample was horrible no. but he had some really rough pass sets there yes. but I think he really cleaned that up uh, this past week, I know he graded out well, according to Pro Football Focus, like a 78 grade or something, which is good for an offensive lineman, particularly right. a Steelers offensive lineman. They they uh, they were kind of strangers to that over the last few years, and so uh, I, I still think that James Daniels is going to be a solid addition. Yeah, like what I saw from him in this week. So I agree with you there. Um, Kendrick Green, it was rough going <sighs> again, and that's become the norm with him, unfortunately, but. Um, I, I saw the uh, preseason grades just this morning. I tweeted it out. He had a 17.7 pass block grade in this game. Like, that is low. That is low. And I'm not sure which other alignment you can put in there around the league and, and expect that type of output. Out, output. And it's it's been for like three straight weeks now. It's been just kind of an embarrassment on his part. And so uh, we're, we'll talk about him a little bit more and when, we, when right. we do the roster. But uh yeah, it's it's not ideal. Not not exactly what you want to see that in that way for sure. So uh, let's talk about our winners from the preseason overall, not just this last game, but right. who do you who would you say are your winners overall from the 2022 preseason for the Steelers? For me, it's the quarterback room in general, because I think even outside of you know, kind of like a throw in at the end of the half or the end of the fourth quarter for Rudolph last week, all the quarterbacks did relatively well, especially, you know, you see what you got from Pickett. Trubisky proved himself as a starting caliber player. Rudolph had apparently trade interests, which is very interesting to me considering what he's shown in the past. Uh, the whole quarterback room in general did a really good job. And by proxy, the entire receiving room for the most part also really impressed me. Even guys like Tyler Vaughn's who didn't make the team, you know, even like Tyler Sneed had some moments. There's guys here that, and we ended up keeping a lot of them. We'll talk about that when we get to the roster. All these receivers played up to par, and they showed that they at least belong on an NFL field. And I think that's going to be really good for, obviously, if injuries happen, if we want to throw in some different wrinkles, if we want to use some of these guys in certain packages, we have a ton of guys to go to as we try to build up this passing game over time. 
Yeah, no argument there at all. Quarterbacks look good. Receivers look good and deep, I would might add as well. Mm-hmm. And that's without Anthony Miller, him landing on IR right. before he even got started there, really. And so I uh, definitely agree there. Um, I would also add just the rookies in general. Yeah, the rookies like, in general, I, for sure. I mean, we, we talked about Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, both of those guys, really yeah. impressive preseasons, obviously. Uh, I thought DeMar Leal did really yes. good as a pass rusher, at least. He really has good. some things to work on uh, in terms of run defense and, and holding up at the point of attack. But, but man, he's got a nasty spin move and, and dip inside like that. So I was impressed with what, I, what I've seen from him there. Um, Mark Robinson cracking that roster. And it, not surprisingly yeah. either, based on the no. way that he played, he's got that dog in him. He's physical. And, and, and I thought he proved uh, himself both in run defense and on special teams. Uh, and then I would add undrafted rookie Jalen Warren as well, who yeah, had for just sure. a, a very strong preseason. Uh, the running game wasn't exactly where Steelers wanted to be, but that was all around. I mean, Najee included this last game. Yeah. Uh, so there's that go- there's that as well. But I, and again, I would also say I, I would add in there Trey Norwood. Um, I think he had an excellent camp and yeah, particularly sure. in that in that first game too. Like targeted four mm-hmm. times in the loud reception, two pass breakups. One was one of them was in the end zone. I didn't think he was quite as strong these last two games, but you can still just see how he can be a versatile asset in that right. secondary. Um, and I think part of the reason why he becomes a winner of the preseason is, unfortunately, Demonte KZ's knocked out for a little yeah. bit. And yeah. that's not something that we want to see, but it might increase Norwood's role as that uh, dime defender. And he could be seeing the field uh, more often than we initially anticipated there. Uh, any more winners you want to touch on? Really, you did already mention like Jalen Warren being presumably the number two back, you know, looking at the roster right now with with Snell as the special teams guy. He definitely is the guy that I, I wasn't sure who it would be, but I really had a strong feeling between him and some of the other undrafted backs like Mateo Durant and guys like that, that one of them would emerge as a better option for the true backup to Najee. And seeing him do that was big for this team If in case, especially if, you know, God forbid Najee gets hurt, don't want to have to deal with that. But at least we have somebody who showed that they have the physicality and the grit as a runner too. You know, Warren was definitely encouraging. So I'm yes. interested to see what we get from him this year. I know it's going to be Najee carving out a bulk of the carries. Yes. And so <laughs> if he gets a couple touches a game, then that'll be a bonus. But uh, I'm interested to see what we have in him. All right, let's talk about the losers from Steelers 2022 preseason. Uh, definitely some guys we can talk about in this regard, too. It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. So who were the losers this year? I mean, I want to start with Bush, with Devin Bush. Like, we saw it last year, and I kind I wanted to go into this year and say, hey, you know, he's coming off an ACL. And clearly, the team in, in general is kind of struggling in front of him with the D-line depth and injuries and I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's such a talented player. He was coming out. There's a reason why the Steelers felt highly enough to go up you know, to 10 and get him. And it just seems like all those things that made him a special player, made him a special prospect to me, are gone. The physicality is not there. The instincts aren't there as a runner or a run game guy especially. He just doesn't have any of the attributes that I wanted to him to show in the NFL. And I don't know what his value is as a starter at this point. I don't think he does anything good enough to justify being a starting inside linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, I I stand by what I said last week on the show, and that is I don't think that he's the same player that we watched in college. Like He played with so much more tenacity. He was flying around the field, locating the football. He just doesn't play that way at all right now. And he did have the really nice fourth down stop. And I I went back and I watched that play from several different angles, and 
And seeing him, he just darted right in there, made the play in the backfield. That's the kind of stuff that he's got to do more often. He he's got to just, yeah, he just, has to show just attack, just attack. Because if you really, if you take that, that fourth down stop away, it was not a good preseason no. from Devin Bush. It was not at all what we wanted to see. He was, he was very timid. He looked like he was a second late getting to the play. He was washed in the run game. He gave up easy catches in the passing game. And so just more of the same from him. And, and we don't really know what's going to happen there. But, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming Bush is going to get that starting job next to Jack at the beginning right. of the season. It's just a matter of time, though. Like, if he keeps playing like this, the team's not going to be able to justify keeping him out there on the field if, if he proves to be a liability. So definitely agree with you there. Uh, we are talking about the offensive line in this last yes. game. The offensive line as a whole, I thought, has been quite a mess. And, and I think it's – it got slightly better. I would say a step in the right direction, at least a little bit uh, in this final game. Uh, but again, two players that really had me worried there was Kendrick Green, which unfortunately he's not going to be part of that starting unit anymore. Right. It looks like that's going right. to be Kevin Dotson. Uh, and, and Dotson's not perfect. He's got a lot of work to do too. He needs to help out a little bit more. And he had a couple uh, a couple whiffs in the run game. Mm-hmm. But Dan Moore, I, I feel like if, you're, if we're talking about one player on each side of the ball, this is the most worrisome. Devin Bush, we just talked about Dan Moore, the blindside protector for the Steelers. I mean, this guy has got to take that a core for next step forward uh, nice. in his progression. And we just didn't see as much of that as we'd hoped for, especially for a player that is at such an important position. And that's the biggest concern for me is like, I, I like some of the things I saw from Moore last year. I understood why he ended up being the guy left tackle when you go back and look at everything, but he hasn't shown to me that he's improved enough in any one area to really give me hope that he's going to be the future left tackle of this team. He's probably going to end up being, you know, you hope a guy like him, you'd hope to be a swing tackle, a guy who could probably play both sides good enough in the run game, pass games, if he pass protection, but you can get by with it. Like they did last year, him being the true starting left tackle right now could very well spell some, some bad plays in this, this season simply because of his inability to protect the edge. Yeah. And I, I was on board with Dan Moore as a fourth round pick. I think that it was a solid selection. It's just that, you don't want to ideally have to throw that guy into one of the most difficult roles in the NFL as that blindside protector right from day one. I hope he can continue to progress and hopefully we see it throughout the season. I'm, I'm, what we need to see though, is from week one to week 18, this guy needs to look like a lot different player, right? If, yes, if we, we want to have, yeah, he's the cornerstone to this offensive line at the moment. And we don't know how long uh, his tenure with the Steelers is going to be, but this is a huge year for him. He really needs to show that he can, handle himself in that role. Uh, and I would also say for losers, I would throw in the, the Steelers rushing attack too. Yes. 100%. Like outside of that first game, those last two games were rough. Like even Najee couldn't get anything going at all. And again, this, yeah. it rarely comes down to the running backs didn't execute what they were supposed to do. It's almost always seems it's like the, the issue with the offensive line and there just was not that's a lot a of lanes there. So uh, that's something that's a little bit worrisome, especially for a team that is, that's going to rely so heavily on the run game this year. Uh, but we would have liked to see uh, the running game turn out a little bit better in those last two games. I got to pull it up right here against the Jaguars. The Steelers averaged 1.7 yards <sighs> per carry in this past week against the Lion, 2.9 yards to carry. So far, far less than ideal, especially when other teams are still running for four and a half, five yards of carry on the Steelers defense, which right. is something that they'll need to address as well. Yeah, I think the rushing offense in general, like obviously it's kind of hard to judge you know, Najee only played one half of football this preseason because of his injury to his foot. 
the backup running backs aren't like, especially Warren, he doesn't have a ton of, of physical talent, so he's not going to be able to make up for as much of bad blocking as a guy like Harris can. So the blocking definitely has to improve to just give these guys a chance. I mean, that, that's just kind of what it comes down to. If they can't open up at least some semblance of consistency with holes and places to go, none of these guys, even Najee, are going to be efficient especially. They might get it done, but it's not going to be with any explosive plays or any sort of efficiency. Yeah, and you could see in the first week, even though the offensive line really struggled with pass protection, the run blocking was there yes, at least. it was. And McFarlane yeah. was able to spring a few big runs. He averaged eight yards a carry in that game. Uh, Jalen Warren averaged 5.7 a carry. And so wait, you just give these guys a little bit of a crease there. Let them, allow them to do something to get going because these past two preseason games, there's just been no running room at all. And it's really hard to put that on the running backs. It's The, the offensive line's got to get that push. And so that's something we're looking to see. All right, let's shift gears here. We're going to talk about the Steelers. They finalized their 53-man roster uh, by 4 p.m. on August 30th. All of the NFL teams need to get their rosters from 80 players down to 53. I think Steelers cut to the tune of like 27 or 29 players total. Yeah, I, I added them up, and, and, and there was a few weird things happening in there. But there's a lot of players. Over two dozen players are now no longer with the team. Some of them have already been re-signed to the practice squad with more coming on the way. Yep. But we're going to go position by position now, and we're going to talk about the Steelers' uh, decisions and uh, in, in who they decided to keep uh, for each position. So let's start with quarterback. Uh, Shane, no surprise at quarterback, right? No, I mean, there were some rumors about maybe Mason Rudolph was on the trade block and teams might be interested in him, but at least so far, nothing's materialized there. I think that the Steelers probably would want something like a fourth-round pick or better to move him just because he's such a good presence to have, as, especially him as a third quarterback feel much better about that than him being even a backup, even though I think he's fine as a backup too. So he gets to be the third guy, Pickett presumably, we'll see what the decision ultimately is, but presuming that Pickett's the backup and then Trubisky goes in the season as a starter, pretty much exactly what we expected going into the season. Yeah, these were the three from the beginning. Are the Stewards being way too like stingy when it comes to Mason Rudolph? <laughs> like they're not going to get a fourth round pick for that guy, but would they take less? Like, He's your third quarterback on your team. He's if if Pickett gets the job as the number two guy, which we expect him to do, right? Unless the Steelers like Rudolph better as a guy that can come in in a pinch, maybe I don't know. What, 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 that's that's yet to play out. But if Pickett or if, if Rudolph, excuse me, is going to be that guy that stands on the side with a clipboard and doesn't doesn't have a helmet, what's the sense of keeping around? I mean, they're living in their fears. I feel like that that Tomlinism there. But from 2019, they had this scenario play out, and so. I feel like that's coming back to haunt them right now. And they're not willing to take draft capital for a guy that is very unlikely to see the field this year. So, I mean, what, what would you take for him? I think I would be willing to take even a fifth or sixth because again, he's not going to at least barring something unexpected happening. You're he's not going to play an actual role for you in terms of on the field. Now, I don't know how much that he plans on trying to help the other guys. I don't know how much he's already done that. I haven't been part of those meetings, obviously. But unless he's really been a huge help to both Trubisky and Pickett in this process, I don't see the value of keeping him on the team right now if you can actually get something for him. Now, if you get like a conditional seventh or something like that's a throwaway pick, then I might be understanding if you're just keeping him as a third quarterback. But if you can get a real draft pick in the mid rounds, you know, like a fifth or sixth, that's probably enough for me just to say, you know, we'll take our chances on if we need to bring back somebody, you know, even I know Ludicun, I think he, or Oldokin, he ended up 
given with the Chiefs, or he was yep. visiting with them. I don't think he signed or anything. Yeah, he, but, he did sign with yeah. their practice squad. Like, did he practice squad? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you have to go sign him off a of practice squad, if you have to go find a third quarterback, there's guys out there that can be the third quarterback, especially, or a second quarterback if some something happens to one of these two guys. So, Yeah, I mean – it, that's the part that we don't see. Like we, we don't right. know how Mason Rudolph is in the locker room. We don't know how, what kind of work he does to get that, that he will do, I should say, to get Trubisky or Pickett prepared for football games. And, and if he has a big hand in that, then it's worth keeping him around. But I agree with you just looking at it as on the whole. And you see, you got a, a third string quarterback uh, who we've seen him in NFL action where it's nothing particularly impressive. And he's in a contract year. I mean, it, the Steelers, they could use draft capital. They trade draft yeah. capital away all the time. They've already done it twice in yeah. it, it, this year. This Especially late round cuts. picks. So. Yeah, they, they could. And so uh, that's something that they should definitely weigh for sure. They're not going to get a fourth if that is indeed what they're looking for. Um, they should consider at least taking something after that, unless they think that, that Rudolph is really worth it because he helps mm-hmm. get the other quarterbacks prepared. So, yeah, no surprises there at the quarterback position. Those were the three that we thought all along. Like we said – uh, last week, barring a Mason Rudolph trade, that was who it was going to be, and that's who it was. So let's look at running back. For the Steelers, the running backs that made the team this year are Najee Harris, no surprise, uh, Benny Snell, and Jalen Warren. And so yeah. Anthony McFarland is the odd man out. What do you think about that? I think it's tough because we we all know, despite our feelings about Snell, we know why he's on the team still. It's a special teams value. Mm-hmm. Tomlin really likes him. So I did expect him to make the team, but I did have a feeling that maybe because of the fact that having Warren as the true backup as an undrafted rookie, I didn't know if they'd feel super good about that. So because of that, I felt like they might keep all four of these guys because McFarland especially gives them a completely different type of look at running back compared to Harris and Warren and Snell, of course. Mm-hmm. And having all four of them allows Snell to be a true to special teamer guy. He doesn't have to be on offense really at all unless he has to for a pinch. And you have a guy who's a direct backup to Harris and how he plays with Warren and then a true scat back or you know, change your pace guy in McFarland. But apparently they didn't feel that that was necessary to do. Yeah, I can't say that I'm particularly surprised uh, the Steelers gave up on McFarland. This is a guy that had three carries on 108 offensive snaps last year. So they, they just yeah. didn't give him the ball anyway. But I was hopeful. I was hopeful this year. I saw a lot from him. Even when I I was down there in Latrobe myself and watching him play, I thought he took a big step up as both a runner and a receiver. Blocking is never going to be his game. And and so that's just something that he's always going to struggle with. And he did a little bit in the preseason as well. But I I thought that he showed some flashes. I mean, he busted off that 26-yard run in in the first week. And and I, I thought that he looked pretty good overall as a runner, especially when you compare it to the other group of guys. And nobody these last two games was ever able to run particularly well. But he brought that element that none of the other running backs on the, the roster have, and that is true breakaway speed. I mean, this guy yes. is true 4-4 speed. If there's a crease, he he has the chance to take it to the house. And unfortunately, we didn't get to see that during his NFL career. We saw it a lot from him at Maryland. If you go yeah. look at his Ohio State tape, it's remarkable what he was able mm-hmm. to do in that game. And so I was hoping that we would be able to see something like that, especially now that Canada hopefully is running the the, the full brunt of his offense now. Uh, but apparently the, he just didn't do enough in the Steelers' eyes to keep him around. He didn't offer anything on special teams like what Benny Snell did, and I think that's the ticker right there. Right. Um, and if you flip that around, if, if McFarland's the special teams ace and Benny Snell doesn't offer anything there, then the choice is made the other way. 
but I, but I think it's because uh, it's because of special teams that Snell is going to be around. Now I'm just interested to see who comes in after Najee. Who do you think that's going to be? Is going to be? Do you think it's going to be Snell or Warren? I really hope it's Warren. And we've talked about like I just don't think Snell brings anything as a runner at, at the NFL level. I just don't think he's a true you know caliber running back as far as NFL speed, NFL play. Like he doesn't even really run through mm-hmm. people the way you'd hope a guy like him would do. Warren showed a lot more grit and toughness as a runner than I've ever seen from Snell just in this preseason. So for me, I would definitely have Warren be the true backup to Najee if someone's going to spell him, especially, or if someone has to come in for significant snaps. I do think it has to be Warren. Yeah, and Warren's not known as an athlete either, but you just put on the tape side by side, you can see that he's got significantly more burst and quickness than what Snell does as well. So I'm, I'm hoping that's the case as well. Like I said, it's probably just going to be a few touches here and there for whoever it is, and maybe they use right. a combination of both. I wouldn't be surprised if, if by the end of the season, it's if their snaps look kind of similar. So we'll yeah. see. I'm hoping that it's it's Warren that overtakes that as well. And I would also add in here too. We won't spend time talking about a fullback, but Derek Watt obviously right. made the team as a as Steelers fullback, yeah. family ties, special teams guy, and so no big surprise there. All right, let's shift over to talking about the wide receiver position. This one caught me off guard, and I think it did yes. with everybody. The last yes. couple of years, the Steelers sure. have only kept five receivers mm-hmm. on their roster heading into the season. I predicted them to keep a sixth, and I think yeah. you did too, me too. right? We, yeah, we had the uh, same we, six, I believe. Yeah, We had the same six. We did not know that the Steelers were going to keep a seventh, and I would, I would venture a guess that if you ask anybody else out there in the business, they wouldn't have guessed that either. And so it's interesting – um, and I have a thought on that as well, but but go ahead and tell me what you think about the the seven that made the team for the Steelers. I think all seven of these guys, including even maybe a guy or two that didn't make the team, all played at a level that would warrant a roster spot in the NFL this preseason. And we talked about it in the winners and losers of the preseason. This receiving core really got it done. They really did a really good job. I mean, we could talk all day about how, how good Deontay is. We know already with him. Claypool is the slot receiver this year. I think is going to take a big step forward. And then the star of NFL training camp preseason, George Pickens, of course. You have to talk about him, of how, how well he played and what he did for us. Austin, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to play in the preseason because of an injury, and we'll talk more about that. I know that's one of the things you want to talk about, but – He's obviously going to make the team as a fourth-round pick, guy with a ton of speed, separation ability, special teams possible value in the future. Uh, Gunnar Olszewski, he was going to make the team. We kind of knew that with his special teams ability as a returner. And then Boykin and Sims both, I think, showed really good flashes as receivers and as kind of gadget guys, especially for Sims on his jet sweeps. And even in the return game a little bit, too, we have kind of two return guys that I think we could go to if need be. Yeah, the, the the seven receivers is interesting because it makes me think that that Calvin Austin is going to head to IR. Right. And he's eligible to return after four weeks. And so that's that's probably the plan. I don't think they do that otherwise. Otherwise, no. I, I just don't see the role for Sims on that no. team, really. And so I think that'll end up being the case. Nothing is official yet. We do know that Austin's been nursing that injury and that he missed the entire preseason. And so they probably want some time to get him back up to speed and then maybe just keep Sims in the meantime. I have a feeling that he's going to be that guy that is then demoted uh, once Austin comes back. That's just my prediction. So so we'll see if that comes to fruition. But I agree with you there. I think they all played pretty well. Boykin, I I thought Boykin did a really good job both on offense and on special teams. And that guy was flashing all the time. And so I would have been interested to see had Anthony Miller not got hurt, if he would have taken that spot from Sims. Uh, or if he potentially would have been even over Boykin on the roster. I don't know. He was having a really good uh, training camp. 
with the Steelers. He was running with the first team offense early on. Um, and so that's just another guy. It's, it's such a deep receiving core. Like the Steelers have yes. a couple of positions that are really deep and the rest, we would kind of like to add a little bit more talent to if we could receiver right. is one of those positions that is deep. And I feel bad for a guy, even like Tyler Vaughn's like there was never a chance oh, that yeah. Vaughn's was going to make the, the team because of the depth of the position, but he was like a second half, uh, phenom, like in oh, those yeah, three preseason sure. games, like he would come on strong. And so i uh, be interested to see if if anybody has a plan for him or if he's just going to – if Stewart will try to just stash him on the practice squad. I haven't seen yeah. him yet. With him, I hope so. that they can get him back on the squad because he's a perfect guy to be able to bring up if you need someone who you know can just play a little bit, right? Like he he showed yeah. that he can he can do some things, especially his ability to kind of turn up field after a catch was really strong. I really like the way he just kind of moves after he gets the ball in his hands. I think he'd be a really good player to bring up if you had an injury too, especially like if Claypool or Deontay gets hurt and you want to have somebody who can go out there and play multiple positions. I think he could definitely do that for you if need be. Yeah, I know. That'll be interesting to see uh, what they do with him there. And and Vaughn's not a particularly great athlete, but the guy's still slippery after the catch. Oh, yeah, somehow. For sure. he, just, he just has that little wiggle to him and, mm-hmm. and uh, looked very natural as a football player. So uh, very, very interested to see seven receivers make it. That caught both of us off guard here. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we said, we think that it's probably temporary. We, we think this is probably a move uh, just to get Calvin Austin onto IR, temporary IR first, miss the first four games, and then see if he's healthy enough uh, to come back, in, in at which time the Steelers will probably drop down to six receivers at that point. Uh, actually, they'll, they'll be at six receivers with Austin on IR, and then Sims right. uh, would, would drop off the roster after that is my prediction. Uh, let's talk about tight ends for a minute. No big surprise here. Kevin Rader was on the roster as a thir- third tight end last year. Uh, this year, he's beat out by rookie Connor Hayward. I think you and I both had that in our predictions, correct? Yep. Yeah, we had the same tight end room for sure. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Like you have two true tight ends with Firemuth and Gentry, and then you have a third piece who can kind of be moved around in Hayward, right? He can play traditional fullback. He can play an H-back role. He can play like a third tight end on the wing, move him around. Really caught the ball super well pretty much all preseason, which is that that's what I wanted to see from him if he was going to make a transition to more of a true tight end move player kind of role. And he definitely showed that and earned his spot on as a third tight end for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Canada does having this true H-back type. Certainly not like the other two tight ends at all. I think the Friermuth is the well-rounded guy. Gentry is your Y tight end, the inline blocker. And so mm-hmm. uh, Connor Hayward definitely has a very different feel. Uh, like you said, you can move around, do a lot of different things with him. I'm predicting a lot of three tight end sets this year. I'm just they're gonna very, go they're very well good, yeah. I, I, I think that they're going to use that a lot. And, and he's a guy that could be utilized a little bit more than, than what some are anticipating, I think. And so... Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think he had a particularly great pre preseason. I think his summer overall was pretty good. I yeah. uh, didn't do necessarily anything to stand out too much in the preseason. Only he had a, a couple of nice catches, but uh, right. we'll, we'll see how he's utilized for the Steelers this year. If it's going to be primarily special teams or if, if he'll be able to carve out a role on offense as well. All right. So no surprises there for us. Let's take a look at the offensive line. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that one, they, they, they threw a curveball. It's really not fair. Yes. Is it Shane? Like we, we can't no, predict who see, they're going to trade for. That's the problem with this is like there's always some teams who kind of just they like their guys and they stay with it. They don't like to mess around too much. But I can't blame them for looking outside the organization. We kind of talked about it last week and in prior weeks that they probably need to do something to look mm-hmm. at at least bolstering depth, if not trying to find possibly replacements for starters. But they go out, obviously, they keep – you know, more Dotson, Cole, Daniels, core for the starters right now. We knew those guys were going to be the starters. 
especially now that Green finally got demoted a little bit. Green makes the roster, which, again, I expected it. I don't think he's earned it in any way, but I expected him as a third-round pick to make it. And then they go out and get Jesse Davis from the Vikings, formerly of the Dolphins, 72 career starts. Very, you know, he's a veteran player. He's very experienced, but that experience isn't the best <laughs> as far as on the field. So <laughs> that's a bit of a concern for me. I know you kind of tweeted about it, talked about it. He is a good veteran piece to have because he can play multiple positions. He played four out of five last year, I think, for the Dolphins. So he has versatility, but versatility only gets you so far if you're not particularly great at any of those spots. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think that the, the two biggest things you can point to with Jesse Davis is, as you pointed out, he's got starting experience, he's got versatility. Other than that, you're not going to want to take too deep of a dive into his tape or else you'll no. end up a little bit disappointed. Uh, I thought his tape at tackle is just – it's, it's cringeworthy it's at, at times, and it, particularly in pass sets. And uh, I think he's a guy that you almost have to play as a backup guard. But then what are we doing here? Because Joe Hag yeah. is no longer on the team, and so – who is the swing ta- tackle if not Jesse Davis? Like, I think it has to be Davis it is, barring another signing, be. right? It's, it has to be, be him. Now. Yeah. But I'm telling you guys, if you <laughs> didn't like what you saw in Dan Moore, uh, yeah, you're, you're just going to have to pray that that guy stays healthy because you're not going to like what, what you see in Jesse Davis. That's, that's some really, really rough tape there. I know that I saw some Miami fans actually were just hooting and hollering. They were so happy uh, to get have, rid of him. I have a lot of friends <laughs> who are Miami guys and they all were telling me like, why did they trade for him? I'm like, it, Hey, they didn't give up mm-hmm. much of anything. I think they just wanted another veteran that they felt they could trust that has some starts under his belt. And they're like, yeah, but he's worse than you, what you already have. And I'm like, well, if he's the backup guard, it'd be different, but I do agree a tackle. He's definitely not better than what we have. So, yeah. And we'll see if he can turn anything around. Chances are being almost 31 years old, he's probably the player that he's going to be. Yes, I would say, but uh, it, again, very low risk trade. And so if he turns out to be serviceable, it's okay. I just, to me is like Joe Hag was a better swing tackle in my mind. Anyway, I yes. think I trust him a little bit more. I don't think that, I don't want him coming in at left tackle for like a three-game stretch, but I do think that that Hag has experience there as well. They're both seasoned veterans. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that one. I'm not crazy about it. Um, and then let's talk about Green for a little bit here because a lot of fans were upset. We, there was a legitimate debate here, and I think that it's it's justified. Yes, Kendrick Green or John Leglue. And in one hand, you've got the third-round pick who has just been utterly disappointing in his first two seasons. The other hand, you have a guy that. It's not like he deserves to be a starter, an undrafted guy at Tulane in 2019, but a guy that came in for five starts last season for the Steelers. And I thought he did a pretty respectable job. They had some successful run games when he was in there, uh, nothing crazy. And he had a couple of nice preseason games. <clears throat> so did the Steelers make the right decision? Let me ask you it this way. Okay. If, if, if both of these guys were undrafted, who makes the team? Oh, uh, glue makes it. No, there's no shot. Like, and it comes down to the fact that like we have tape on, Green is a starting player in the NFL, and we also have five games of LeGlue last year. And you can't tell me that you go back and look at those two. And I know that they played different positions last year, and you can – whatever. You can't tell me that LeGlue didn't look more like an NFL player than Green did. Not only then, but so far in this process up to this point. And I understand you don't want to give up on an athletic guy, a third-round pick. You don't want to give up on him after a year. But we just saw what the Raiders did with Alex Leatherwood. They gave up on him as a first-round pick after one season. If you make a mistake, it is better in the NFL especially to just go ahead and say, hey, we made a mistake. Let's make sure we're the best 53 players on this team. If you're not one of them, I don't care what your draft capital is. I don't care if we have to lose money on it. 
that's the attitude I think you have to try to bring as much as you can. Now, if it's a guy who you think has issues that can be rectified and it's something that is just not happening yet, but you want to be the ch- you want to be the team to take a chance on them still, I understand that. With Green, I don't know, especially in this system. It'd be different if he was playing like a Shanahan scheme where he could be on the move as like a center. He might have more playability there. As a guard in this scheme, I just don't think he brings enough physicality and strength to any part of his game. Yeah, that one is, I mean, it's directly tied to draft capital. I love the Steelers as an organization, but they do have an issue when it comes to pride. And I I feel like they just, they're not willing to give up on players who are so blatantly bad. Like this is not a surprise (laughs) we saw coming. You watched Kendrick Green in the one-on-one drills during training camp. He was just, just humiliated by players who shouldn't even be better than what he is, but like Carlos Khalil Davis putting him on his butt. And so it's just not, not what you want to see at all from a player uh, who was a former third round pick. And I agree with you. If it was a level playing field and both of those guys were undrafted free agents, I think that LeGlue is the guy that makes the team. I think that he's the better player. And I know that the Sewers don't like to use analytics and people will argue with this, but John LeGlue is 6'7", 315. Kendrick Green is 6'1", and 7'8", in 305 pounds. It makes a difference how big you are on the offensive line, especially if you're playing that guard position. According to mm-hmm. Mock Draftable's database, Kendrick Green is smaller than 99% of NFL guards that have come into the league since 1999. That is what you call an outlier. And outliers like James Harrison, who is also an outlier, outliers don't always work out. They're called outliers for a reason, because once in a blue moon, you get a guy that goes against the grain and that you can can find success there. I don't think that Kendrick Green is going to be that guy. (laughs) Not not based on what we saw. Yeah, from what he has not shown me anything for me to feel like that he can beat the expectations of his his size and strength profile. I just don't see it. Yeah, and now that he has made the final 53-man roster, and the Steelers have already made a trade for another offensive lineman, I see him sticking there probably this year at least. But, I mean, if Dotson or or Daniels gets hurt and he has to come in and he looks bad for a couple games, I mean – I don't think it'll be be too long before they give up on him. He's kind of in that that same boat with Devin Bush. Hasn't been around as long, but just what we've seen is just looks so sloppy. And so uh, that was that was an interesting decision, not a surprising one. Shane and I both had him uh, making the roster, obviously in our prediction, third round pick, and we knew that that would be the Steelers' logic behind it. Uh, but again, I, I I think that that's a position that we got to be a little bit worried out. We, we got to make sure Dotson is a guy that can't stay healthy. I mean, we, that's what we've seen his first two years. And so if, if Dotson goes down or hopefully he doesn't struggle, because if, if at any point, if you have to turn to Kendrick green, you're, you're it's, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that point. Yeah. And I think that I, I will be interested to see as far as Hague goes. I wonder if once we do open up roster spot with KZ going on IR and then also mm-hmm. putting Austin on, on IR, if that's what happens with him. Do they bring back a guy like Hague? Is that maybe their plan is to try to bring him back as a ninth offensive lineman to be the true swing tackle? That would be, I think, a good idea yeah. if they can pull that off. And then Leglue going on the mm-hmm. practice squad, if Green does have to come in for injury and he is as bad as he's been, maybe then they do move him up to the, to the active roster and do something with Green at that point. So. Yeah, and that, that was the big thing with the offensive line. Like, I did not want Trent Scott. I did not want Chaz Green. I've seen those guys enough, and, and they're not good football players either in, in no. respect. I mean, they're, they're NFL athletes, but right. obviously compared to the players that play the same position they do, I don't think those guys were worthy of making NFL rosters at this point in their careers. But I'm also not crazy about Jesse Davis. So we'll we'll see how that goes and what the plan is there 
We just got to really hope that those offensive tackles uh, and the guards stay healthy. Yeah, because hold up, yeah. The depth is a little bit scary after that. And I will mention as well that J.C. Hasenauer made the team. I don't know if we talked yes. about J.C. Yet. Not, not much. We uh, know. I mean, he's a backup center. He's fine. He he can yeah. come in if need be. I'm not really worried about him of all people. So mm-hmm. maybe he even is a guy that maybe yeah. you ask to play guard if need, if need be if if it really gets bad. So yeah. And when J.C. Hasenauer is, is the best, <laughs> the best <laughs> of your backups. You know you got issues. Yeah, it's not great. uh, I I don't love the Steelers starting lineup at the moment, at least, but we're going to really hope those guys guys stay healthy this year. Uh, Let's shift our focus to uh, the defensive line. Actually, before I do that, let's make an announcement. If you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you'd like to support the Still Curtain Podcast, please consider subscribing to the Still Curtain Podcast on YouTube. We appreciate your support. All right, let's shift gears here. Let's talk about the defense in the final 53 that made the roster. Uh, I got this one right. I did got not, seven defensive linemen. Now, this is the first time I, 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 in, I don't blame you for only predicting six because, again, right. I went back and looked in the archives. It hasn't happened in 10 years. And so the Steelers went against the grain a little bit on this one. Uh, but they kept a seventh interior defender. <clears throat> and so the guys that they have on their roster right now, Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, Tyson Alulu, Chris Wormley, uh, rookie DeMarvin Leal, Isaiah Loudermilk, and Montrevious Adams, probably is that seventh guy, uh, the backup nose tackle to Tyson Alulu. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I'm definitely glad to be wrong because I did not want to be right about that one. That was just kind of my feelings and based on my feelings about the running back room and them keeping six receivers. I kind of had a feeling somewhere someone was going to get moved that probably doesn't deserve it. Luckily, Adams does make the team, and the rest of the guys, obviously, we talked about. We know who the – this is one of the strengths of our team, right? This We look at receiver, you look at defensive line, that's where our depth truly is. And it's not bad places to have depth, especially the defensive line. With you know the starters, we know who they're going to be. We know that Ogunjobi off the bench is going to be very good as well. If, if you know, Him and Wormley are probably going to split time depending on situation stuff. Leal looks really good as a rookie. I think he can so far – like, I think he'll have a role as a pass rusher occasionally, especially if something does happen to a guy like Logan Joby, who he's mainly a pass rusher, so that might be his role to back him up in case of an injury. Lallermuck looked better than he did last year, I think, so far in the preseason. They had a good camp. He's beefed up. like to see that. And then Adams luckily does make the roster as, kind of like you said, that backup nose tackle to a guy who is, you know, in his mid-30s, and we're not sure what we're going to get out of him. So, Yeah, so seven for the first time in a decade. I And – I got all those right. And you just had Adams off of your roster mm-hmm. and it's just a numbers game. And I, right, and exactly. again, they, they Steelers haven't done this in 10 years, which makes it unusual. Kind of like the wide receiver position that we just talked about. Uh, but it also makes me wonder too, like, is, is the injury to either louder milk or Adams severe enough that maybe they would consider stashing one of these guys away for, it's possible. for the four game yeah. IR um, and going back down to six. I don't know. I, I really don't. I, I didn't think that their injuries were that severe, but doesn't seem uh, like that's it, a possibility though. that we might not be able to rule out either, but I'm excited for this depth on this team. Like that's this, this sure. is, this is an area where we went into to last season, not knowing if Stefan Tua was going to play. Obviously he did not play at all. And he ended up ultimately retiring. Uh, Tyson Alulu was knocked out just after a game and a half and spent the last 15 games on IR. Uh, Carlos Davis got injured and he was a guy that, that really could have had a chance to make his mark yeah, in the sure. NFL. And I feel bad for him because now, like these these last three guys that just missed the cut, Carlos Davis, Khalil Davis, both of those guys were draft picks two years ago. Uh, one of them was drafted by the Steelers, and Khalil, I think, was drafted by Tampa Bay, maybe? I, that and so, sounds right, yeah. 
Yeah. And so these are, these are, they're late round draft picks, but they're, they were athletic guys or guys that just blew us away at the combine, these twin brothers with how fast they were able to run these 40 yard dashes. And you can see that, that speed and, and twitch show up on film. Uh, and Henry Mondo, even like, I think that these guys, like if the depth wasn't so strong, I think all three yeah. of them are potentially good enough to be like that bottom of the roster guy on somebody else's team. It's just not going to happen in Pittsburgh. Um, and so it, it's going to take a couple injuries for a guy like that to, to move back up. And I would expect probably two of those guys to be back on the practice squad. So we'll see what happens here soon. For sure. All right, let's look at the edge defender position. Um, again, they cheated on us, Shane. We, we, we would have had it right, I think. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think so. the Steelers go and make a move that wasn't completely unexpected. I have to say that we did mention that there was a, a chance that the Steelers could go out and look for outside help. I didn't know if that would come with a signing or uh, in waivers or in the form of a trade. And it was ultimately a trade uh, for Malik Reed. And so give me your thoughts on him. Have you got a chance to, to dive into any of his tape yet? So I haven't gotten a chance to look at him specifically as far as tape goes, but I do. I am very familiar with him. This is a guy who's played a lot for Broncos the past two years, especially. I think 13 sacks for the past two years, been very productive as an edge rusher for them. And he's a different kind of edge rusher. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's very slippery, I think, as a pass rusher. He moves very well, for, even for his size, being a little bit of a smaller guy. And I think he is the kind of player that I'd like to have as a third edge rusher where he can kind of move him around a little bit. He's not super stiff because he is a smaller player he can kind of do a little bit more for you and he is a really good backup especially to you know so something happened with Highsmith with him missing time he would be I think a decent starter to put in across from Watt who could at least bring some semblance of pressure unlike some of the guys we have behind them yeah so it was Watt Highsmith Malik Reed and Tuska that made the team before I go yes. any farther but we'll we'll talk about uh Malik Reed a little bit more here I haven't done a, like a, a real throw dive into his tape yet, but I was surprised by some of the things that I I, I saw on him when when I was doing a little bit of research. Just I didn't real I knew he was a little bit small. I didn't realize he'd be six foot one, two hundred and thirty four mm -hmm. pounds. So he's actually technically size wise, he's smaller than Ryan Shazier was going yeah. into the two thousand fourteen NFL Combine. To put it into to perspective, I don't think Shazier played at the two thirty eight that he tested. Out. He probably played a little bit lighter than that, mm -hmm. but it's interesting because Malik Reed is not big. His wingspan is really, really small. And so is his arm length uh, when you compare it to other NFL edge defenders. Um, and he did not test as a particularly good athlete either. He only ran a, a 485, a 31 and a half inch vertical jump. And so what is his niche really like? This? But the guy manages to be productive still. He does, it, yeah. it, in Denver, he was. And so 13 sacks over the last two seasons, uh, eight sacks in, in 2020. And so Definitely something, a little bit of something to look forward to. I think he can provide a spark off the bench. Certainly, we would have to agree that he would be an upgrade over Hamilcar Rashad, who couldn't make the Jets roster. Mm -hmm. And so, and was pressing his luck with the Steelers. And, and who knows, Rashad is early in his career. But uh, I'll take the guy with experience at this point. I mean, if, if Water Highsmith were to get injured, I think that could really spell disaster. It will anyway. If Watt goes down. Right. Especially Watt, yeah. Yeah, especially well. so but right. it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he carves out and maybe it'll be something where uh he can he can carve out a big enough chunk to actually give these guys like ample rest sometimes allow, allow them a series or two where they can just kind of kick their feet back in and, and rest up a little bit so that's what i'm hoping out of malik reed Absolutely. I think that his role is going to be obviously a third edge rusher. I'd like to see him kind of use it to me, like, especially with his size, I think that his biggest thing, and I've seen a few 
like highlights of his because I, I did watch a lot of Broncos games the past couple of years. I'm really interested by that team in general and now obviously more so than, than ever with the ring Wilson in. But it seemed like he he's a very crafty guy, I feel like. And that's kind of what when you don't have the size profile, when you don't have the athletic profile, you have to find other ways to win, right? And I think you know he's developed some good pass rush moves. I saw there's one of these good inside-out move where he'll kind of fake the inside rush and go back out where the tackle lunges forward for him. So, like, he's a crafty guy. I think he'll be able to be used in certain situations with the two of them on the field with Highsmith and Watt. And if he's asked to play a traditional, like, full-on 3-4 edge, like, I do think he has some limitations in the run game as well because he's not the biggest guy. Mm-hmm. But he would be, at least be better depth than we had, like you talked about. Yeah, definitely agree with that. And again, it's we're talking about a late round pick swap. We yes. get the six, we get we get read back in the Broncos seventh. It's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. We're we're looking at a number of spots in, in positioning and in, in draft capital. Uh and, and to get a, a sizable upgrade, which we're hoping that that's what he is over Tuska, which uh, Tuska or or Hamilcar Rashad that we didn't see much of during preseason at all. Um, we're hoping we get the the, the upgrade there. I uh, I know the Steelers cut Avery two weeks ago, Jannard Avery. But would you have rather had Avery in that role, or would you rather have uh, Malik Reed just straight up? I think from what I've seen, you know, obviously Reed's been more productive, but I think Avery's probably a better fit as a true three four edge. So it's it's tough. Like Avery did look pretty good in the, in the short amount of action he did get for us. So I, I think it's tough to say going with the guy that has more proven snaps and production over the past two years, though, it makes a lot of sense, especially for such a you know, minimal draft capital cost. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I've heard reports as well <clears throat> that uh, the Steelers didn't like Jannard Avery's fit as that right side edge rusher there. Uh, but it's interesting because Malik Reed is even smaller than Avery yeah. is and, and not nearly the athlete. Uh, but I do think that he'll be able to offer something. I hope that we're pleasantly surprised by him. Uh, to me, it yeah. seems like kind of like a lesser version of like the Levi Wallace signing because he's not going to be mm-hmm. in nearly as big of a role. But that type of player, just the gritty, hard-nosed player that, uh, that you, that's the Tomlin type of guy. It seems like yeah. he likes those guys. He does not care about testing numbers at all when it yeah. comes to most positions, it seems. Uh, so there's your four edge rushers. Uh, barring anything else, it, it, it's going to be Watts, Highsmith, Malik Reed, and Derek Tuska. And Tuska, yeah. again, is probably going to be that guy that contributes on special teams. Yeah. Um, and will probably be their fourth guy in the field there. All right, let's shift over and we'll talk about the linebackers. Uh, I did get one of these wrong. And, and man enough to admit that. We, we had Jack, Bush, Spillane. Uh, Mark Robinson, and I also threw a fifth in there with Buddy Johnson. Johnson did not make the team. And so despite this being just his second NFL season, entering his second NFL season and being a fourth-round pick and a 92 percentile athlete, none of that matters anymore because the Steelers apparently didn't think that he did enough to earn a roster spot this year. And so I'm interested to see what happens with Johnson. I don't think this is the end of his career. Uh, He he definitely – we definitely needed to see more from him. Um, but he was, again, a guy that I thought at the very least could have been a developmental prospect because of the tools that he possessed. Uh, he's a pretty, pretty well-balanced skill set, just not enough in terms of like what we saw from instincts in attacking the football. Uh, but what are your thoughts on, on Mark Robinson making the team? I'm really glad he did. And we, I think we both obviously we really expected that just cause he, he proved to be the guy, the one guy in the backups, especially who really has a physical presence and wants to attack downhill has the size and, and, and athleticism move forward, especially to do that. 
I think that he's the best chance they have to replicate what they have with Vince Williams, right? That's what the Steelers want. We know that that's the guy they want as a second linebacker, a guy who can come downhill, who can be a blitzer, who isn't afraid to, to get up in everyone's face and, and cause problems for the, for the offensive line, especially in front of them. Like, that's the guy that they want. And Robinson did that better than anyone else in the preseason. Um, obviously, other than Miles Jack, and he's going to be the true you know starter mm-hmm. for us. But Robinson showed the most ability to do those things. So he was the lock for me, especially after the first two games. And then with Johnson, especially, I want to talk about him. I think that he is likely a practice squad guy for us specifically. I don't think another team will, will mm-hmm. try to snipe him from us. But he does have the athleticism you'd want to see as a prospect. I think he has a chance to develop further. But I feel like they would rather go with Robinson and then also – Allen is likely going to be back. You know, Marcus Allen will be back once they put KZ on IR. So he's the guy they trust as well. He's been there for longer. I think that they like the fact he's a little bit different than the other linebackers. So we'll, we'll see what happens with Johnson, but I do expect him to be back in some capacity. Yeah. And Marcus Allen was that special teams ace. And so again, yeah. Allen is not currently on the roster, uh, but the plan supposedly is for the, for the Steelers to resign Marcus Allen to the 53 man roster. Once they stash, uh, KZ on IR for right now. Right. Um, and so it, and it's, I guess if we look at it that way. It's not too big of a surprise considering all the experience that Marcus Allen has in special teams as the up back for the Steelers uh, um, in punt coverage. And so uh, he can do a lot of things from that way, wear a lot of hats, but Allen has been nursing an injury in his own yeah. right. And which maybe is why they can get him right back. Uh, but he's been out with a hamstring, I believe for weeks. And so we haven't seen him at all. Uh, so it's, it's just interesting that they would choose an older, more injured, not just injured this year, but injury prone Marcus Allen. We've seen a lot. We've seen several injuries with him over the years. Uh, they would choose that over Buddy Johnson. It just makes me feel like they they just didn't have much confidence that Johnson was really going to be that guy that they could count on. Uh, but I will be interested to see how things shape out with the rest of the linebackers. Like Jack's going to be the guy that doesn't leave the field. I mean, he's going to be the guy, assuming he's healthy, he's going to be out there all the time. I'm not rooting for the demise of Bush or Spillane, but I think it's going to happen to those guys, whether we like it or not. But Bush is going to be probably the player that we've been seeing for the last year and a half or so. And, and Spillane is just going to be a guy that's just detrimental in coverage. And so uh, it, it makes me wonder as the season progresses, uh, if Mark Robinson is going to be able to maybe inch his way up and, and carve out a little bit bigger role with them. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's particularly good in coverage either, but uh, he has been impressive as a rookie, so that'll be interesting as well. I think if the run defense by the middle of the season is still iffy at best, and the linebackers are a big part of why outside of Jack, don't be surprised if Robinson starts playing at least like 50% of the defensive snaps just to try to give him a boost there. Yeah, I can I can see something like that happening for sure, especially the linebacker play we've gotten over the last couple of years. All right, let's look at the cornerback position. Uh, making the roster, we have Akella Witherspoon, Cam Sutton, Levi Wallace, Arthur Millette, and James Pierre. Justin Lane and James Pierre uh, were in a neck-and-neck battle each of the past two seasons. Last year, they kept both of them. This year, Lane is the odd man out. Uh, so we can officially say that that was a busted third-round pick, right? Yeah, I mean, we've kind of known for a couple years now that it didn't seem like Justin Lane was really going to ever figure it out as a player. You love the athleticism, the size, but again, you just couldn't really figure out how to play. And at least with Pierre, like I, and we've talked about it before, I think when we did the, the Ross predictions last week, I trust Pierre more in coverage in general than Lane, just because I think he's smart and he can do what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be protecting him 
from certain matchups and certain route combinations down the field. If you can prevent him from having to run and chase guys or go down the field vertically, he can cover short areas of the field in the red zone. I think he'll be a weapon somewhat. Outside of that, though, don't really want to see him out there. This is all about the top three guys have to stay healthy. If they stay healthy, I think they're at least an average corner room, which with our pass rush, if it works out, is really all they have to be. And anything less than that, it could be become an issue, especially, again, if one of these guys does go down. Yeah, and we talked about the offensive line being scary in terms of depth. The cornerback room is the same exact yes. way. Like yeah. I, we, Shane and I were talking about this earlier. If Kella Witherspoon to go, were to go down for like a five- or six-game stretch, we're in trouble. Like we don't have any speed at corner. We don't have any length at corner. You are now forcing a player like James Pierre, Arthur Millette, to come into the game and nickel and dime. And, and so – we're going to have a really slow cornerback room out there, an undersized cornerback room, and and the uh, the results I can assure you would not be ideal. And so that's uh, theoretically that's that's a position I would love to be able to add at least one more quality player there, bump yeah. everybody down a little bit more, probably where they should be. I'm okay with the Steelers' top three cornerbacks. We just got to make sure that they stay healthy this year because uh, it, it could be a disaster if if uh, any of those other players have to see the field for an extended period. Um, outside of Justin Lane, there's really nobody else uh, that was even in contention really to make that roster. Yeah. Maybe Chris Steele, uh, who was running over Maybe. Lane a little bit at the end. But I was never impressed by what I saw with Chris Steele, um, the undrafted rookie out of USC this year. I just didn't think that he had shown enough really. And so it, it that one uh, we predicted correctly, and it was it was pretty easy to see coming. And I think that those were going to be their five, um, barring any other signings. All right, let's talk about the safety position. Making the roster for the Steelers this year, we have Minka Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds, DeMonte KZ, Trey Norwood, and Miles Killebrew. Now, KZ, we said uh, he did suffer a serious wrist and arm injury. It was listed at uh, during the preseason finale against the Lions, and so KZ will be stashed on IR in the hope that is he'll be ready to return at some point for the Steelers. Uh, it was looking like KZ was going to be the primary backup at both free safety and strong safety for the Steelers. Am I right? Absolutely. He's the guy that has experience as a deep safety, especially. I mean, he had a season with seven interceptions as playing mostly that role. But he also has the physicality, despite his size, to be a strong safety in this scheme, I think, too, if anything happened to Edmonds, especially. But I think his value is definitely going to be as that third safety where you can bring a guy like Edmonds into the box, let him help with run defense. You know, with Fitzpatrick and Casey back there, a lot of range, the ability to cover deep for both of those guys. I wanted to see that and not getting to see that package, not getting mm -hmm. to have that as an option really makes the linebacker room that much more concerning because now you might not have Edmonds there to help as much because he has to play back more. And in general, it just allows you to doesn't allow you to move guys around as much as you would have maybe liked to prior. Yeah, it, it definitely hurts their flexibility just a little bit right there. And I'll go back to what I said before. I think that <clears throat> Trey Norwood suddenly becomes yes. a winner here because I think that he might be that guy that's asked to back that up. I don't know if he can back up the strong safety position. That's just an entirely different role, really, and especially uh, with how much Edmonds typically plays in the box around the line of scrimmage. Um, I think that that's probably more likely to go to Killebrew for the time being, who is really the Steelers' special teams ace. Uh, but I do think that Trey Norwood gets involved a lot this year. And it, the other thing that's interesting to note is this happened a few weeks ago, and I think it was in the first preseason game, but Carl Joseph wound up on IR. Yeah, uh, that really could have shaped out differently at the safety position for the Steelers had Joseph stayed healthy and maybe DeMonte Casey got injured. Maybe the Steelers would have had enough confidence in Joseph to just roll with the healthy guy 
right. and keep him on the roster. Um, and maybe they would have put KZ on IR before the start of the season, which means that he would not be eligible to return this year. So the Steelers are holding out hope for KZ for sure. Uh, we'll see if he's able to come back. We're hoping that he can get healthy and come back because I think that he could be a, a quality depth piece for the Steelers, the safety position. Uh, I don't have nearly as many questions about the safety depth, uh, especially when KZ is healthy, as I do about the cornerback depth still. I still yeah, feel like the I, cornerback depth is scarier. Because yeah. with especially with um, <clears throat> Killebrew is a guy who can come in in the box. Like You know what he's capable of. He's really more of a mm-hmm. linebacker, in my opinion, if you really want to depend a position on him. He's played safety primarily, but he plays more of a linebacker role. So that would give Edmonds a break if you need to in that role. And then we talked about Norwood. He can play all over the field. And you like that about him. He doesn't have to play one specific role. And I think that's why he was drafted and why he played even as much as he did last year. And you're right. I do think he's the guy that's going to be tasked with coming in a lot more this year than even he did last year. Yeah. And it definitely hurts a little bit, at least in the temporary losing both KZ and Carl Joseph. I had to assume that one of those guys, like if, if KZ was injured, the Joseph becomes the guy that's on the roster, yeah. at least temporarily, and, for and sure. can play the strong safety role. Um, that's kind of what he was drafted for by the Raiders a while back. But uh, So we'll see how that goes at the safety position. Uh, Minka and Edmonds have both been really healthy in their careers, knock on wood. We hope that doesn't change. And so we just want to we want to see those guys just continue on that streak of good health. And uh, hopefully we don't have many injuries to the secondary because we are a little bit thin there as well. All right, let's look at special teams, and then we'll we'll, uh, get ready to wrap things up here soon. So special teams, no surprises here. Chris Boswell, the kicker, makes the team. Uh, Stewart gave a massive contract this offseason, probably top three kicker in the NFL right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Presley Harvin had a really good summer. He makes the team as a punter. And Christian Coots makes the team as the long snapper. So no changes uh, to the roster over the last couple of years. Really don't have nothing else to talk about right yeah, there. I mean, you know, that, that I mean, is what it is. So. When you have a, a top, like you said, three kicker in the NFL and a and hopefully rising punter and you know a long snapper who doesn't really make any mistakes because if he did, we'd know about it. Uh, that's pretty much all you ask for, right? Like you can't get a whole lot better than the situation they have, especially a kicker, obviously. But exactly, I will. I want to note something interesting here. The Cowboys did something really interesting. I'm not sure if you saw that or not, but they cut their kicker and their long snapper because their logic that. is. Everybody's got their kicker. Everybody's got their long snapper. Nobody's going to pick these guys up. They're not particularly great, but we're going to do that so that we can get some of our injured guys to start the season, stash them on IR, and then we're going to sign those guys right back. And so I thought that was an interesting philosophy. Obviously, the Steelers can't afford to do that. Their kicker's too good for that. Yeah, especially uh, Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So that's not working for them, but I thought that was interesting. All right, let's take a look at it. The only thing I want to do now is – Let's just go back and recap really quick. Who are the players that we missed on? We did our 53-man roster prediction last week. And I have to say that maybe some things would have changed had I been able to watch the Lions game first. And so I I think that might have been enough for me to flip-flop Jalen Warren over top of Anthony McFarlane. But by the time we did our prediction, which was last Wednesday at this time, uh, I had Anthony McFarlane making the roster. He did not. Jalen Warren made the roster over him. I had Warren going to the practice squad. Um, I had, let's see who else I had. I, I did not have Davis. I, I did not have Jesse Davis yep. making the roster, obviously, because yep. we couldn't predict the trade. I had yep. Joe Hag in his place. And so we knew that there was going to be an offensive lineman there. We didn't, we weren't convinced of who it was going to be because we thought that this a move could be coming either for right. a, a waiver claim or a trade. And so Jesse Davis threw a little curveball in there. Um, I did not see Malik Reed for the same right, reason, same making the, making the team at edge. 
I, I, I just had them going with what we knew, which was Watt Highsmith and then your backups being uh, Derek Tuska and Hamilcar Rashad. And so Tuska made it, Rashad didn't because the team traded for Reed. Um, I had, who else do I have in here? Buddy Johnson and, and Steve. Oh, Buddy Johnson. Yeah. Okay. I got, I got Buddy Johnson. Uh, I had Buddy Johnson making the roster. Um, I didn't know that the plan for the team was to get Marcus Allen back after he's been injured. And I thought that they wouldn't give up on their fourth round pick quite so easily. Right. And so I missed on that one there. And then Steven Sims, like that one just threw us through a loop. Like yeah, that seventh, us off a lot. <laughs> seventh wide receiver. And so you tally him up. I had five guys that weren't the exact players. Uh, so, but the one, but, but if you take out Davis and Reed, I had three guys that I, that I got wrong there with McFarland, Johnson and Sims, uh, keeping that extra, that extra, uh, wide receiver. They're definitely through a curveball, And so you want to share yours, Shane? Yeah. So I also had McFarland making the roster, but I expected them to keep four guys. I felt like maybe they would feel that that way Snell could just be the special teams guy that he's been and the main reason he's going to make the team. So I was wrong on that. Unfortunately, um, same thing with Davis Reed. We kind of knew that, you know, we didn't know that that was going to happen. Obviously, that was unexpected, at least, you know, knowing what players they're going to bring in. Um, Johnson also, same thing. I expected him to be kind of like the fourth or fifth linebacker, you know, come off the bench for, you know, if Jack got hurt or somebody like that, we're more of a versatile player, not just a run defender or a pass coverage player. But again, I think he'll be back on the practice squad. I'd be surprised if he's not. Sims. Again, seven receivers wouldn't have been able to tell me that. If you would have told me that before the season or, or right now, even prior to them doing it, like they're not going to keep seven receivers, even though it might be procedural. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. It still is interesting. And then Adams for me is my, my big miss. And that's just because, again, I felt like, you know, they might have to make a cut somewhere else just to make mm -hmm. up for the depth of their places. Davis ends up making the roster, and I'll gladly be wrong about that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just finish out with one last question here for the day. What would you have done differently on the roster? Uh, Shane, let's start with you. If, if there's a move or two that you would have made differently than the Steelers, what would that have been? I think there's two th – there's really, I should say, three things that I kind of want to point out. McFarlane, I would have wanted him to be on the roster, whether that means cutting Snell, whether that means cutting somewhere, you know, somewhere else, wherever it would have been. I really think that having a true different type of player running back is very helpful when you're trying to throw defenses off. And I felt like Canada would have, would have been able to use McFarland pretty well if he could stay healthy this year. Um, trading for someone other than Jesse Davis to bolster the offensive line, <laughs> just because I don't know if it bolsters the offensive line. Yeah. That's kind of the problem is I get, again, he's a veteran. He has a ton of starts under all at multiple positions. I just don't think if, if, at very least, if he's going to stay on the team and be a backup, I would rather him be the backup interior guy, not going to be the, the swing tackle. So we'll see what happens with him. And then honestly, Johnson, I think that he did deserve to just because he's been healthy and he's been able to improve. I still think from last year, from what we saw from him, I would have liked to keep him on the roster if possible, even if it meant maybe Allen doesn't come back this year. Yeah, I agree with most of those. Uh, I would say McFarland as well. That's one that, I mean, the guy got three carries last year. Like I said, three, three yeah. carries. That's not a big enough sample in my mind. You've got a young running back with legit four, four speed. And I watched him there at training camp this year. I thought he was having a really good summer. I mean, the, the guy was improving as a receiver, improving as a runner. Uh, he he had the the best preseason game of, of all the backs in, in yeah. the first game against Seattle. He popped up eight yards a chunk. And so I wanted to see that that different type of running back make the roster this year, a guy that you could do the jet sweeps with and put him in motion. Right. And, and and so uh, we unfortunately, we're not going to get to see that. Um, so that's a move I would have made differently. And you know, my thoughts on Benny Snell, like this, this guy better ball out on special teams because I'm yeah, expecting he, he hardly anything be on offense. Team. 
So, and I understand why the Steelers did it. I just probably would have flopped those two players around. I think there's enough guys that you had make the roster this year that could have done the special teams work that you didn't necessarily Mm -hmm. need Snell for that. And again, a guy, I don't know if anybody would have claimed him or not anyway. So maybe just on reputation alone, but uh, I don't know what that reputation is at this point. Um, So I, that, that's one that I would have done. And uh, I would also say like, maybe even John LeGlue, like I, I might have kept the guy around just because like, Mm -hmm. again, if we're looking at it on a level playing surface, I think LeGlue has just been better from last year until now than what Kendrick Green was. And I feel more comfortable about that guy coming to the game who came into the game late in the season last year, started five of six games that he dressed for. And I thought he did a serviceable job, which is probably more than what we'll be able to see if we, if we have to watch Kendrick Green in that situation. So I would have done that. And the third move that I probably would have made as well. I, I'm not I'm with you there. I'm not particularly keen on the, the Jesse Davis trade. So I might have traded for a different guy as well or kept John, uh, Joe Hag. Uh, but I also might have tried to trade for uh, more cornerback depth. And that's yes. just a position mm-hmm. that it really scares me that uh, if, if we have to see James Pierre play on the outside or Arthur Mallette playing the slot for an extended period of time, I think that comes becomes another very vulnerable spot on the Steelers' defense that we could really do without. And so I'm hoping uh, that those corners stay healthy, like I said, uh, but I probably would have tried uh, to make some sort of effort to improve that cornerback room a little bit. All right, that's all that Shane and I have for you today. Thank you for joining us on the show. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on YouTube. And thanks for listening to the Still Curtain podcast. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Doctors take Field of Greens for their own health. Here's Dr. Ryan Green to explain. We're like you. Too much fast food, not enough exercise. That's why I take Field of Greens. The fruits and vegetables in Field of Greens support my heart, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism for weight loss. And Field of Greens promises your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. Get 15% off with promo code HEALTH at fieldofgreens.com. That's promo code HEALTH at fieldofgreens.com. Product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and community safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.